Hello and welcome. Get ready for a new episode on Weight Loss Simplified, the must-listen-to podcast for women over 40 who are tired of struggling with their weight. Whether you've been stuck in the yo-yo diet cycle of gaining or losing the same 20 pounds for years, or have recently put on weight and just don't feel good in your own skin, it's time to put an end to the confusion and frustration and make weight loss simple. Learn how with weight loss expert Jennifer Powder, your host of this podcast. Well, hey there. Welcome back. This is episode number five on the Weight Loss Simplified podcast. Now, in this episode, I am going to get a little bit sciencey, which is actually a good thing. I promise I'll keep it interesting and totally understandable. Because when you realize that there's science driving our behaviors and our actions, it helps you realize that you're actually 100% completely normal. And I'm going to give you some real life strategies for creating the change that you truly want in your life, with your health, and with your weight. Now, the question that we're answering today is what do emotional eating and a lack of emotional resiliency have in common? While both prevent weight loss from happening because both are intimately connected to one another. And until we get to the root of why we struggle with our emotions and how it is that we actually go about creating habits with food, uh, having emotional habits, understanding what drives our thinking uh, and our choices and our actions and our outcomes, well, then we can really stay in a place of being a victim to our circumstances. And I say that having been there, all right? So sometimes that word can be real triggery. And what I'm saying today is everything in your life is happening for you and not to you. And what we have to understand is it's up to us. It's up to you if you want to get the lesson. If you don't get the lesson this time, I guarantee it, you'll repeat it. It will just show up in your life in another way, in another form. Sometimes I feel like it's like I'm being tested, you know, it's like God or the universe or the energy that abounds that's greater than me is kind of just giving me a test to see how committed I am to my commitments. Uh, what is my level of emotional resiliency and maturity? And how am I going to choose? And that's the critical word there. How am I going to choose to handle this situation or this circumstance or this lesson this time? And I'll be honest, I don't always nail it. <laughs> Chances are, neither do you. So here's what I want to take you through. Now, I actually learned this back in like Psych 101. And quite frankly, I didn't get it back then. I really didn't. I thought I just didn't get it. And I've been exposed to this uh, many times. And it's only been in my 30s and in my 40s that I really understand this concept. And let me just lay this out for you. A lot of times when we think about our life, we're looking at our outcomes. If you don't like that word, think of what are the results I'm experiencing in my life? How happy am I with my day-to-day? -day? How happy are you with the quality of your relationship, your marriage, the relationship you have with your kids, your finances, uh, your the, the connection you have with your friends and your family? All of these are direct outcomes, as is the number that you get when you stand on the scale. See, here's the thing. It's been created. Now, whether you have intentionally created outcomes in your life that you don't like, um, well, you probably didn't mean to. It happens in sometimes a very deep subconscious or even unconscious way. 
Why? Well, because as I've mentioned in the previous episode, there's like voices in our head that we're responding to all the time. And if you think that mean voice is really you and a core part of your identity, then there's a very big chance you're going to be listening to that voice and believe the things that it says about you. You suck. You're a loser. You're going to probably fail. Why would you even bother trying? Uh, You're no good at this. It's not worth it. You're not worth it. On and on uh, that voice can go. And that's just from some of the things my own voice tells me still to this day. Now, I've got a lot of tools in my toolbox for turning the volume down on that voice, for uh, being very aware of the thoughts that I'm thinking and changing them. And that's what I want to invite you to learn from this episode as well. So here's the breakdown. Your thoughts lead to your feeling state. Your feeling state leads to your actions and your actions create the outcome. Now, if you're like most women I work with, you're focused on the outcome, the thing that you don't like, the thing that you want to change, the thing that you're frustrated by, and then you get mad at yourself about the actions you're taking. But we never go back to the beginning of the step, which is the quality of your thinking. We never really go back to revisit or reflect on, well, how is it that I even arrived at this outcome? And that's what we're going to be paying attention to today. So by thinking, now here's something I'll ask my clients or when I lead workshops, I'll, I'll ask the question. So, hey, if you're at Starbucks or a cafe and uh, somebody bumps into you or cuts in front of you in line, are you going to punch them in the face? And most people, you know, look at me like I'm crazy and their eyes or their face is kind of scrunched up in it. No, of course not. So I say, great, it's not really a trick question. Why would you not do that? Well, because I just wouldn't is what I hear. And I say, but why wouldn't you? And then they say something like, well, because that's not an appropriate behavior. That's not right. And so here's the deal. They don't take the action of punching the person in the face and creating a horrible outcome between them and that person. And maybe somebody calling the police or who knows, because their thinking is clear. They have already mentally decided in their head with their thoughts that that's not okay. So even if they feel frustrated, they're not going to act on the feeling and take the action of punching. So if you are responsible for the overt actions you take in your life, your behavior, whether you hit someone or not, whether you spit on someone or not, whether you kick someone, whether you, all of those things, well, then how is it that we are not as equally responsible for the quality of our thoughts? And the ability to have thoughts that we think consistently that allow us to feel good most of the time. Because have you ever noticed that when you feel good, you do good? That when life is going well, then you feel like you're on your A game and things are going smoothly and that you're in flow, that all of the actions that you already have the knowledge that you you could take, they just become so much easier to do. And when you are thinking good things and feeling good, you know, good feelings and taking good actions, what happens in your life? Well, your outcomes get better. Your outcomes improve. Things start to go the way that you want them to go. That's exactly what, if you understand that, then we want to bring that whole rationale into the game of weight loss. 
right? What is the quality of your thinking? How do those thoughts make you feel? What actions do you take when you think or think that thought and feel that feeling? And is it working for you? Do you like the way you look? Do you like the way you feel? Do you like the way you feel about yourself? Do you like the way your clothes look? If the answer is no to any of that, then let's use our energy to focus on the real problem, which is we got to up-level your thinking. Because the same thinking that has created this outcome that you're experiencing right now in this very moment while listening to this episode of this podcast, that same thinking is not going to get you somewhere different. If you want to be willing to change your weight or if you're, if you're willing to change your weight, then the next necessary thing is you need to be willing to change, be discerning about the quality of the thoughts that you have. Why? Well, imagine it like this. I, I just close your eyes for a set. Well, don't close your eyes if you're driving or doing something dangerous, but even with your eyes open, you can, in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine two lakes that are separated by just a fine strip of sand, okay? Now on the left side, you've got this beautiful, crystal clear, gorgeous, pristine, deep blue lake. In fact, you can, it's so clear and so pure, you can almost see to the bottom, okay? Really see that lake in your mind's eye. Now, right next to it, it's the same size as the beautiful lake, but it is disgusting. It's like this slewy, sludgy, dark, murky, thick water. And when you see a little fish jump, it's got four fins in the wrong spot and like five bulging eyes, right? It stinks. Uh, it just looks completely unpleasant. So you're standing there on that sandbar and you're trying to make a decision about which lake are you going to go swimming in? So again, the answer probably came pretty quick. You're going to go swimming in the nice, clean, pure, beautiful lake, right? Okay, perfect. Because I want you to now understand that your mind is like a lake and the quality of your thinking creates the environment which is either going to be positive and nourishing or toxic and debilitating. Your mind is a lake. If you know that you've got some toxic or some super negative self-limiting beliefs and thoughts that just go around and around and around, well, no one but uh, and no one other than you can basically detox your mind which is working through those thoughts and understanding that you're even having them and that those thoughts are making you feel pretty much like crap about yourself and when you feel like crap about yourself it's very easy to want to escape that feeling are you with me enter in emotional eating now it maybe you feel crappy or, or you feel like things in your relationship aren't going well, or you're feeling frustrated by your finances, or you're feeling frustrated by whatever, all of the things that get to us in this day and age. But with the women I work with, the number one thing that's on their mind their most is their own self-dissatisfaction, right? They're aware of it. It's present. It's like always there in the back of their mind, that little voice telling them how and where and when they're failing and aren't good enough. So as you begin to become aware of your own toxic thinking and the slew of negativity that you're pretty much immersing your whole psyche in, yourself in day to day, 24 seven, then it can start to become pretty, well, 
I think it's very freeing to go, oh my gosh, no wonder losing weight. No wonder changing my habits has been so hard. How can I possibly do anything in this toxic slew? And that goes right back to, I think it was the very first episode where I said, we've got to take the mind trash out. We have got to be willing to to purify our mind and to get rid of the things that don't serve us so that you have the ability and the energy to think new thoughts, positive thoughts, exciting thoughts, motivating thoughts, thoughts that are full of potential, not limiting thoughts. Because from there, I guarantee you're going to feel better about yourself. So emotional eating will creep in when the feeling state you go into, you may feel blah, like you don't, uh, tired, bored, resentful. Uh, You might feel like you're in pain in some way. Maybe it's heartache. Maybe it's heartbreak. Uh, maybe it's life dissatisfaction. Maybe you're resentful at how things are turning out bitter about what you haven't gotten to do or all the things that you do do that you're not appreciated for. And (laughs) of course, why would we want to stay there? It's easy to go and distract yourself with food. We've talked about this. So what I want you to figure out here is what's your loop? Because we're caught in so many loops and we don't even know it. Um, Do you remember when you first learned how to drive a car? I remember so clearly. I was learning how to drive standard. And I had to put so much energy and focus on all of the steps, all of the things. Put the car in, put the clutch down, put the brake on, turn the key, um, put put it into first, you know, figure out the right way to get the clutch and the brake working. That there was no way I could have listened to music, had a proper conversation, been tending to a baby in the back of the car seat, any of that stuff. Now it's old hat. If I drive standard, it is easy for me. I don't need to think about it even for a millisecond. I just do it. Okay. If you're with me on this, make the leap to all of the things in your life that you're just doing right now. You're doing it without even thinking about it. You're doing it with like some sort of subconscious awareness, but your full present and conscious attention is not there. Exactly. This is where we have to break it down. So what I like to share with my clients and any woman that I'm having the privilege of sharing my experience with and my knowledge with is going back to you figuring out what your own habit loops are. Now, the book by Stephen, um, or the book, uh, The Power of Habit for me was uh, a really amazing book. And I, I brought lots of those concepts into the Weight Loss Academy because I just so clearly could see how understanding this, it made me not feel like a failure. I all of a sudden had some brain science to explain why I did what I did. It's not that you don't have willpower or commitment. It's that these unconscious and subconscious habits that have shaped um, have shaped you are now just default routines in your life. So here's how it works. You have to understand basically a few couple a few words here. So there's always going to be something that's like a cue. Another word for cue is trigger. Something that gets you. Okay. So something that creates. Uh, it's going to be something like a thought a feeling, a time of day, a person that you're around. Uh, It may be a situation you're in. It may be um, any of those, any of those things can be a cue or a trigger. Now stick with me. 
when you experience that cure trigger and it's unsettling, it, it brings about some feelings with you or for you, then you will immediately then go to your previously established routine or habit. Okay. So it's three o'clock at the time. It's a cue. It's a trigger. Three o'clock, you're at work. You think that you're tired. And so immediately you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Starbucks and grab a coffee. So without even really doing it, maybe you decided consciously once or twice, and then your colleagues do it. Now you just go along and you get the latte and you get the cookie or whatever it is you get from the local coffee shop. And now here's the thing. What you're actually craving is the reward. So when we have a cure or trigger, we do something. And the thing that we do, we've attached a belief system that somehow it's giving us what we need and want except food, I promise you, can never bring you the emotional reward that you're actually craving. It just gives you temporary relief. That's it. Okay. Now you may think it's giving you what you need, but notice that if you keep going back and doing it over and over and over and over again, well, then you're, you're in denial. You're just caught in a yucky habit and you may not even realize it. So this is why when you turn to dieting, so let's just figure it out. So, sorry, I'm going to back up for a second here. So cues and triggers, it could be your witching hours, the time of day, like three o'clock, 10 a.m. You need the latte, 5 p.m. You're on your way home from work. Um, it could be uh, seeing yourself in the mirror. You hate how you see in yourself. You have a thought and it's a trigger for you. You'll do something to avoid the feelings that you have right after you've had a thought about how bad you look. There may be uh, somebody that's around you, you and your girlfriend. This is what you always do. There's a trigger, her, right? She love her, but she's still a trigger for you. And then you go and you do your routine together. Now, typically when I ask women, well, what is it that you turn to when you get triggered? I mean, at live events, these answers get thrown out as quickly as I can write them down. And I hear things like chips, chocolate, gummy bears, licorice, candy bars, granola bars, cereal, sugary cereal, granola, nuts, popcorn, popcorn with butter, popcorn with lots of butter and salt, uh, cheesies, like you name it, women say it. Often wine, more wine. And you know, we, it can be said, ice cream, all the things. Think of your thing, okay? And then I ask, well, what is it that you're, what is it that you want? Like what if you're not even hungry and you know you're not hungry, but you're feeling like that thing to eat, what is the emotional reward that you're trying to get? Now, this question's a little bit harder to answer for sure, but slowly those answers or the hands get raised and the answers come out and it's like relief, a break. <laughs> like I want to feel like I'm a good person. I feel rebellious. I want to feel indulgent, like I'm having a sense of indulgence. I want to just distract myself. I want to take the pain away. I don't want to think about it. I want to have something else to focus on. I want to have some fun. I want to feel like I've got freedom, right? So fascinating, isn't it? And I hope that there's one part of this that really is deeply resonating for you because this is where it's going to come home as to why diets don't work. What does the diet immediately tell you, ask you to do? It gives you the list of all the foods that you can't have, don't get to have, can't eat, all the quote unquote bad foods that you need to omit from your life in order to lose weight. Well, guess what we're, Guess what you now have to omit? 
all of those comfort foods and things that I just said, the chocolate, the chips, ice cream, the nuts, et cetera. So now if that's been your way of getting emotional fulfillment, guess what you're also losing the minute that you start a diet? You're no longer getting even temporary relief of giving yourself that emotional reward. And that is why we cannot handle living in a state of deprivation. It's not just the food that we're depriving ourselves of. It's the feeling state that we so desperately crave, if even for a few moments. So here's the thing. It's, <laughs> we live in a world where we can't just cut out our triggers. We, we can't just pretend that it's never going to be five o'clock again. You might love your partner and he may be a trigger for you. You're not going to leave your partner just because sometimes he gets to you. Your kids are going to be your kids. You're going to love them. And there's going to be times when they get you. You're going to be tired. They're going to trigger you. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe it's your own mom. Maybe it's your boss, whatever, right? There's going to be cues and triggers. What we have to figure out is how you get to create a new routine or habit that is non-food-based that helps you get the emotional reward that you're so deeply craving. You just got to figure out a better way to do it. One that allows you to have weight loss happen for you and one that allows you to actually, in a truly fulfilling way, help you get your needs and wants met. Now, of course, the pre-work on that is believing that you deserve to have your needs and wants met. And I'm here to tell you that, yes, you're 100% deserving of that. And it's also up to you to figure out what are those needs and wants and deep desires and where do you not let yourself go after them? It's only through trial and error that you're going to figure this out. It's only through experimentation. And instead of making yourself wrong and getting critical with yourself, that instead you turn that criticism into curiosity. Huh, there I go again. I'm not even hungry. And I just had this feeling or this thought and it made me feel awful. And I immediately reached for the wine. What is it? I'm like, what is it I'm really needing here in this moment? When you start to do that kind of deeper work, it's going to take you to the next level. It's not just going to change your weight. It's going to change how well you know yourself, how well you're able to express yourself. It's going to change uh, your being complacent to being compassionate and taking imperfect action every day. Because the journey's the journey. It will be what it will be. It'll be as long as you want it to take and it will be as hard and as much of a struggle as you want it to be, subconsciously, of course. And you can also allow it to be fun and a journey of basically self-exploration. So what is critical here? I say that word a lot because there's really a lot of critical pieces to the weight loss journey is we have to start to clean up our thinking. We have to start to clean up our language. And that is why I am such an adamant opponent to the whole concept of cheat foods, cheat meals, cheat days. The word cheat, no matter what the connotation is, does not have a good one. It's not a positive word. I don't want you to cheat with anything. I want you to powerfully choose. We don't cheat with food. You make choices about food. The minute that you tell yourself you're cheating on something, it's like you're wrong. 
It's like somehow you've just failed. You've fallen off the wagon. You cheated. There's no, per, you know, you, you get ensnared into that perfectionism belief system. And it doesn't feel good. The biggest clue that you're engaging in emotional eating is how you feel afterwards. If you have feelings of being upset, angry at yourself, frustrated, if the chatter in your head gets loud, gets mean, if you feel embarrassed, if you feel humiliated, if you have shame around what you've just done, that is emotional eating and or drinking. Okay. So again, I want to help you, you know, give you cues to identifying your own behavior and draw awareness to what's really going on here so that your energy can focus on the right thing. If you're a woman listening to this and you're past 40 or well like past 40, my hunch is you've probably got some emotional pain that you've probably gone through some stuff that maybe you healed to the best of your ability at the time to get through it and survive. But every time you have the chance to go through a journey that's going to allow some transformation to occur in your life, well, then you evolve and you actually have the ability to heal at a deeper level. Psychic pain can't be healed with food. Eating food to give yourself an emotional reward, that's not self-love. It's actually engaging in chronic patterns of self-hate. And when you do that, there's no way that you can heal. In fact, it keeps the wound open. And that's why the pain continues to be so present. And that's why the emotional eating habit feels like such a strong pull. So I'm going to close this episode with a story of my client whose name was Lisa. And Lisa's just, I mean, she's just a gem of a woman. She, I mean, all my clients are, but Lisa's just, you know, she's, standout. Like she's beautiful. She's tall. She's smart. She has so many things going for her. She's got an amazing husband. Her kids are all doing well. Um, she's successful in her own right on so many different aspects of her life, except for you guessed it, her weight, but it's not just her weight. She tells me with tears pouring down her face that it's not the weight that bugs her the most. It's the way that she feels about herself. It's in spite of all her successes, it's the constant feelings of deep failure. It's the self-loathing that she can't stand. It's the issue she ridicules herself and she judges herself and she criticizes herself. And she found that she was getting so cute, like confused about food and either eat, not eating for days and then binging, having these massive binge episodes and then not eating or going to extremes with exercise. So she wouldn't exercise for quite some time. And then she would try to book two classes a day. And she just felt like she was in this crazy spin, like out of control spin. And probably like so many women, well, definitely like so many women, her belief system said that she had no control, no willpower, no commitment. And what was wrong with her? When I was able to ask Lisa a few questions, you know, I, I asked her about when did she first start to feel um, like she had a weight problem? And she was like, well, forever, like probably the only time I didn't have a weight problem when I was a baby. And even then my mom probably thought I did her words, not mine. And what I learned to discover was that there was this very complicated relationship with her mother while she was a child and it had endured 
um, all through her adult years that no matter what kind of success, accolades, accomplishments she created in her life, she really wasn't capable of getting the kind of acknowledgement that she so deeply craved from her mom. And although she was kind of aware of this, you know, she told me that she'd been to therapy a long time ago before her first wedding when things were really tense with her mom and, and that, you know, she had worked through some stuff back then. This is like 25 years ago and it was helpful. But she, in her mind, she's like, yeah, I've been over it. You know, I'm over it. I should have dealt with it. I've dealt with it by now, she would say. And as we slowly and very carefully figured out where those emotional wounds still existed for her and the relationship she wanted with her mom, the lack of connection she experienced with her mom, the frustration she still felt with her mom and how it was impacting her emotionally, if she had just focused on trying harder, giving herself the old pep talk every Monday, there's no way she would have created the 65 pound weight loss that she did. And that's what happened for her. It didn't happen overnight, but she moved from feeling this stress and obsession and this compulsion over a need to control this area of her life with judgment and criticism to finally understanding that she's at choice and powerful in her own right. But more than that, Lisa was by healing the wounds within herself and understanding that back then, her mom literally did the best she could with what she had at the time. And I don't believe that any mother intentionally, well, maybe very, most mothers love their children and they own, every mother has the skill set that they have when raising kids, you do the best you can. And you're impacted by the modeling that you had from your mom and that your mom had from her mom and on and on and on it goes. And so as Lisa's awareness grew and her desire to change and process her feelings, um, it showed her that she could heal this wound. She actually created a new relationship with her mom. And I say that because so often we think that these relationships are the things that have caused us, you know, caused us pain in our life are done and over and that's just the way it is and they're never going to change and so on and so forth. But we still live with the pain of it. It doesn't have to be that way. Weight loss is not a journey for the timid. It's really not. It takes courage and it's, it takes being brave and it takes putting one foot in front of the other and being willing to stumble and fall and get back up again. And if you know that you are ready for that, if you know that you don't want to live your life for one more minute, feeling that kind of emotional pain with yourself that Lisa did, well, then perhaps you might be at a place in your life where you're willing to let go of the struggle and get some support, get some expertise, be in a community where you can feel the love and get you know, the, the guidance that you need when you're down and out. If that interests you, absolutely go to jenniferpowder.com forward slash apply and complete the questions in the application. If this is, I, I love to work with women who are absolutely at a point in their life when they're ready to change. And sometimes we have to repeat a few lessons to get there. But I promise you, as you work through that emotional pain and cultivate your emotional resiliency and create new routines and habits in your life, you will create different outcomes and you'll feel so much more equipped to handle the different cues and triggers in your life. Alrighty, thanks for tuning in. That's the end of episode five. 
Uh, I can't wait to have you back for the next one where we dive in on what, what I'm talking about when I say, because you've probably heard me say it quite a few times now, a weight loss journey. So I will see you in episode six. Thanks for listening to another episode on the Weight Loss Simplified podcast. If you loved today's show, share it with a friend and then go to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leave a review. To access additional free weight loss resources, head on over to www.jenniferpowder.com. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode.